Halito, and welcome to Native Chalk Talk, a podcast by Natives for all. Here, we're keeping our Native ancestors' stories and history alive, while also sharing with you our Native cultures, traditions, and more. I'm Rachel Youngman, a Choctaw originally from Anadarko, Oklahoma. I hope you'll enjoy this journey with me as we learn from our Native American guests. And stay tuned for the end of each episode, where we'll talk about some great ways to support Native causes and or Native-owned businesses. Let's get started. Inadarko, my hometown, sits about 50 miles southwest of Oklahoma City. Amongst its residents is a well-known and tight-knit Kiowa family, the Wares. You may recall one of the coaches I interviewed at Riverside Indian School a couple of seasons ago was Terry Ware. And today I have the pleasure of visiting with Lance Ware of Anadarko, Oklahoma. So Lance, welcome to Native Chalk Talk. Thank you very much, Rachel. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So now how are you and Terry related? way well, I was told is that Terry and I are related when uh, his dad and his brothers, they would call my dad Uncle Lehman. And through that, uh, like I said, the way I was told, um, technically I'm his uncle. Okay. <laughs> but I don't talk to him like an uncle because I learned from him. Yeah. He does yeah. a lot for the community. He for, does. And uh, is very uh, outstanding native that works at Riverside. He does so much out there yeah. in the community as well. Absolutely. And you are Kiowa, correct? Kiowa, also Caddo and Delaware. Okay. And is the Kiowa side from your dad's side, I guess? Both, both of my parents are Kiowa. Okay. My uh, dad is aware, and, but my mom is a, is a hunter. Ah. And that's where the uh, Caddo and Delaware split off as well. Okay, interesting. So, but I'm, I'm, both my parents, like I said, they're mostly Kiowa. And I definitely want to dig into some of their information later too, to if anything you want to share with us. So, sure. so you and Terry both uh, drum and sing with the uh, Ohoma singers, correct? Yes, ma'am. So tell us about the drumming and singing group. The drumming and singing group uh, dates back to around 1865. We're a part of a society that's around the Stecker all the way up to Redstone uh, Church, for those of you who are familiar with uh, the Anadarko area. We're a society that, uh, teaches about singing, dancing, and uh, the traditions that come along with us, with it, like the uh, pipe ceremony. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, this Sunday, we'll be doing our seating ceremony that we do after the first thunder of the year. And uh, a lot of people, especially now after uh, our dealings with COVID, a lot of folks are looking for thoughts and prayers. And that's what we provide. We provide mm -hmm. support, the drum itself, Back in the day, and even up until today, we uh, respond to a lot of folks who are just asking for either singing, whether it be at the drum or our uh, Kiowa hymns. Hmm. Um, we provide that for just different different uh, people that ask. We sing at, we've sang at basketball games, football games. Recently, we sang at the University of Oklahoma for their Native American law program. Oh, that's wonderful. That was such an honor to do that because, you know, for us, uh, it's just a, you know, you support uh, everybody, mm -hmm. kids, kids especially, or anybody that asks, you know, it's, it's the right thing to do in sharing our culture and teaching as well. 
we we uh, encourage the young ones come sit at the drum, come yeah. dance, come yeah. learn about your ways, whether it be Kawa other, or other tribes. Hmm. And uh, that's what uh, I've learned throughout all these years. Recently, I just more started singing because I want to learn even more about the songs and what they mean. Yeah. And our Kawa hymns are just some of the beautiful songs. They're so beautiful. And uh, not only do you want to learn the songs, you want to know, learn whose songs they are, what mm. they're about, right. what they're right. for, because we have, you know, songs for, for every occasion. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's that's a, a part of that society that I'm a part of, as you know, as well as growing up around Cowboys myself. I wish I had taken a part, uh, taken a little more uh, effort to learn. But you know, you're never too learn, never too old to learn. That's so true. I hear that all the time. Where as we get older, we're like, I wish I would have, you know, listened to my elders more or learned our, more of our traditions or our songs. And you're definitely not the only one. And I'm so glad that you're out there doing that. And I heard you guys do the prayer piece the other day when we were at Riverside Indian School. And that was just beautiful. So with that prayer song, what are, what are you guys saying in that? A lot of it's just thank you. You know, what we were given as far as our our uh, songs, our uh, ceremonies, and things of that nature, they're not ours. Hmm. Dalki, as we refer to him as God, he gave him all that. And it's just saying thank you. Thank you. And asking for uh, blessings and looking after people. Yeah. Everything done in a good way. Beautiful. I mean, throughout the years of the shows and presentations and whatnot, I get asked all kinds of questions, and religion comes up how we believe, how we think, what our process is. And, you know, it's just a basic, you know, we believe in God, we pray, we, like I said, we are thankful. We have that appreciation for uh, just the things we are given, the blessings and all yeah. that. Yeah. So that's what that, a uh, lot of that means. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, those songs are just so, I, I just, I could sit there and listen for hours. Me too. Go out to like uh, uh, Rainy Mountain to mm. the church out there and just you know listen. Yeah, that's that's my uh, favorite part. And like I said, it's just a part of my culture. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to say our our culture. Yeah, it's not just me. You know the things I've done. I'm learning from somebody else that the things I know I was told and try to teach others as well. Uh, I had some grandsons in from Wyoming last week, and I was just saying a few words, and they were catching on. To really, it's great. Call me, uh, call me Cone. That means Grandpa and our. Mm -hmm. But I would call them Cone, and they were like, "Really?" I said, "Yeah, but you guys are from Wyoming. You're not used to that." But just little things like that. What are they doing up in Wyoming? That's I away have, from home. <laughs> I have two brothers that live at uh, Fort Washkie. Okay. On the res up there, and. Um, Kids, grandkids, just, I, I, matter of fact, I come from a family of 11. Oh, wow. And between Wyoming, California, here in Oklahoma, you know, there's a, and that's just my immediate family. Yeah. My mother's family, there's 12 of them, and it's the same <laughs> way. Big, big native families. Family gatherings must be nuts. <laughs> I need to put name tags on everybody, literally, because sometimes I know them, sometimes I don't. Oh, there's another cousin and another I mean, cousin. Yeah. <laughs> and just with everybody that you meet, you know, it's like, there's, there's just so many, but that's what mom wanted. 
mom wanted a big family. Yes, she did. And she got that. I remember hearing the numbers. It was just the grandkids, the great grandkids. I know we got one photo with my grandma, my mom, my oldest sister, her oldest daughter, and her daughter. Five, wow. five generations. Five generations. That's amazing. What a legacy. And just that in itself, the history of it. Yeah. And, uh, so much history. And a lot of the wares have stayed in this area, in the Anadarko area. So mm -hmm. it makes sense that, I mean, my sister, you went to school with my sister, right? There was a wear for every age group in this school. In fact, my sister happens to be here right now, but she prefers to be behind the scenes. So, hey, Stacy. <laughs> so Stacy got married in Ware's Chapel, the church that bears your family name. And that is nestled in Hog Creek, which is where we grew up. Um, did you also grow up in Hog Creek? I grew up two, uh, about three miles west at the Apache Y. Oh, yeah. You were really close to us then. Yeah, but I, I could see y'all's house on the top of that hill. That's how close we were. So we were both on the north side of Highway 9, which I think is State Road 62 or something like that. Which, yeah. is, which is really where I live um, to the south of me, southwest of me. I can hear the, the Imahulas when they're singing, uh, having peyote means. In we could, too. Because they were right down the road from us, like well, across well, the road. Well, from y'all, where you live, to the east, that was a cosette. Was it really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So during the summers, I'd open a window, I would hear yeah. peyote songs. And that's one of the bad parts is when now when I hear peyote songs, I get sleepy. But I'm used <laughs> to that. You're ready to go to bed. All the peyote songs got to go to bed. But my dad, uh, I know for a while there, there was a store, caddy, uh, across the street from where's church. Yep. In that vicinity, I know he, he lived around that area. Yeah. But he's from the, the where's around uh, Hog Creek and all that. Yeah. And I, then, I've recently done a lot of research on Hog Creek. It's kind of interesting. I think I'm gonna to try to cover it in another episode, but there's this map that has like hand-drawn like waterways that the natives put together, the Kiowas did. And there's a picture of a pig where Hog Creek is. And it's so cool to see that. But do you know much about the history of Hog Creek? Not too much, just from what, as growing up, just from what basically everybody else knows where it's at, what mm -hmm. families are there. There's a lot of Kiowa families around yeah. the area. Tartses, uh, where's. Where's, uh, trying to think. Uh, who else is it's there? Cozad, right? Cozad's are there. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, Jerry's Fruit Stand. You know mm -hmm. that? That's Beavers. Beavers. Okay. Well, and I mean, I didn't realize growing up there, I didn't realize that that area was truly like going way back. It was Kiowa grounds. So I just thought, oh, that's just happenstance. But yeah. Well, nowadays with technology, you can actually look at the history of some of them areas. And uh, a lot of them had... Uh, from the original 160 acres that we got. Uh, if you look at the, uh, they were, some of the names were written in, in Kiowa. Really? As well as other, other tribes so as well. Neat. Comanche names, areas and whatnot. So it goes way back. Definitely. Because a lot of our history wasn't written down, but some of it was as well. Documented mm -hmm. era, uh, change of times. Yeah. And uh, it's like, there is just so much history just in that area alone. So true. And it's kind of like a 
a tucked in area. It's not, you know, people drive through there and don't even realize they're on Highway 9, sometimes going to the Apache Y and then going over to Lawton. But I don't think that every, anyone ever stops because there's no, not really a reason to stop. There's Where's Chapel, which that obviously is your family name. And then there's the cemetery. Is it called Where's? I can't remember. Yeah. Okay. The one on the hill. Yeah, that's yes. called Where's yeah. Cemetery. There's okay. also uh, Jerry's Fruit Stand. And just that which is open during the summer. I mean, but it's just a recognizable place. And uh, like when you uh, meet meet natives or other folks as well, a lot of natives will identify with Hog Creek. Yeah, I'm from Hog Creek, oh. me too. <laughs> so true. Matter of fact, Cozen's put a, a <clears throat> I wanna make sure I say this right. They put out a, a CD uh, live at Hog Creek. Really? Referring to their, that place. Really? Yep. I need that CD. I mean, and then you went to Anadarko schools, right? Or did you go to Riverside at all or just no, I Anadarko just, Public? An Anadarko myself. Okay. And that's so, and then you, you I think you had a, have a sister, LaDonna, where I couldn't remember if she or you went to school with Stacy at first. So we both did. <laughs> right. So now you have a super interesting career. I mean, obviously it's on your shirt. Tell us about that. Well, uh, since 90, 1994, I've been uh, a wildland firefighter. Uh, working with several tribes, um, going out and uh, basically the big wildfires you see on TV. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to go out with a crew of 20 and we would uh, go out and basically uh, try to put them out using various techniques and whatnot. What are those techniques? Techniques, uh, sometimes we would dig line, we would also back burn, we would also, uh, it just depends on the area where we're at and what's needed if we had to do structure protection or yeah you know any kind of uh, uh it just depended on the severity too mm -hmm. up and down them hills just uh like i said all that time but currently i'm with the uh bureau of indian affairs uh, southwest regional office mm -hmm. there in anadarko i uh we go uh get on uh engines and uh Basically the same thing, we're here in Oklahoma. Right now our fire, our winter fire season here in Oklahoma is winding down. So yeah. now uh, we sometimes get uh, sent out of state on assignments. Oh yeah. Uh, San Carlos, Washington, Colorado. It's amazing. Just traveling, meeting, meeting crews from all over and working. And different tribal members from Tribal all over members. Forest Service, just private as well. Mm -hmm. Just depends on where we get assigned. So I work with a, a variety of firefighters throughout the country. And it's all on native land, right? All of no, actually, some, okay. it just depends on what what the assignment is. Mm -hmm. I did a uh, camp crew assignment up in uh, outside of Boulder, Colorado. Okay. And um, we worked with uh, I think there was like five hundred over five hundred firefighters there supporting them. Amazing. I love that. We also do uh, hurricane uh, response. We also have done uh, in East Texas when the uh, space shuttle went down. We took part in that recovery. There's actually a museum there in Hemp Hill dedicated to uh, the recovery. And the reason I say that is because I go in that museum and they will have pull me aside. Well, can you help us start IDing people? But most of uh -oh. the crews that were down there were native fire crews. So it was just a good 
um, just helping them out. Yeah. And they also put out a, a uh, DVD telling document the entire story of what happened and mm. how they eventually used us. And uh, it was just so neat going into there. And you look out when you're pulling up in the bus and, all right, who's here? Mm -hmm. Then you start seeing guys you fought fires with throughout the country. And what an honor. Oh, it was, well, when you get a bunch of Indians together, it was fun. I bet it was. It was interesting and it was fun. And like I said, we got treated good. And mm -hmm. every place I've ever been on a fire, we really had some, That's you great. know, just the support as firefighters. Uh, I mean, it's our job. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's something I've done, like I said, off and on for years. And uh, I enjoy it. I Sounds mean, like it. You're it, kind of passionate about it. Yeah. Like we had said earlier, every day, you never know what's going to happen. Right. Right. But I've been blessed to work with some really good guys, really good crews. My bosses, even at the office, they, they're supportive and they uh, just give me good direction. And uh, when we go out, being total professionals. Right. I mean, it's not a game. This must be such a bonding experience for you and the other team members when you go out there and you do that hard work, the equipment's heavy. How do you do it? It's got to be hard. Well, that's the main thing. It's about your attitude. We go out. We used to go out for like 21 days. Being around with somebody that long, you know. But if you got the right kind of, you can either make it 21 days of <laughs> misery or you can... <laughs> Make the best of it. You just have to hope you're with the right guys. <laughs> try to do at least one half marathon a year. That's great. I'm going to try to do Oklahoma City, but I'm not committed to it yet. Because not committed, but he's thinking about it, folks. So look out. He may be there. <laughs> but but that's a whole nother story. Yeah. I'll tell you why I run that marathon. It's because of my dad. My dad worked under HUD. And um, that day, that terrible day, my dad was supposed to be there along with my mother and my sister, but for whatever reason, they weren't. But so every time I run that half marathon, oh. I take my medal off and I go see my dad and I put it on him. I Just, love that. It makes you think about life, you know. One moment could have changed it. Just like that. Just like that. So like I said, I, I try to run it, run it where I can. They do have a 5K, so I might do it this year. But, <laughs> but still, it's, it's just... I'll tell you the last part too of that half marathon. They put pictures on them light fixtures of all the victims. Really? And that's just, it hits you. And, yeah, it does. Uh, like I said, it makes you think about life and just appreciate things even more. Mm -hmm. And all the workers that were there, all the firefighters, all the emergency workers, you know, I still, still think of, you know, what they went through uh, and just appreciate it. I mean, it, makes, it, it brings a pride in all the emergency workers that we have across this country. Right. Police, firemen, nurses, doctors, and what they did, just like you could compare it to New York. Mm -hmm. um, matter of fact, one of the fires we went on, we actually had two guys from New York. They came out on a wildfire, oh. and uh, they were like, you guys are crazy. Because <laughs> yeah. we'd haul up all of our gear at that time, we would haul up basically by hand two and three miles up a slope. Whoa. Like that. And we had a couple of guys, and boy, they were just, they said if they uh, talk about it, let them, but if they don't, leave them alone. Right. Really good guys, though, that we right. met. 
And uh, like I said, we're all uh, firefighting mm. brothers. That's right, That's across, across the world. Across the world. I mean, I get recognized when I wear my shirts and mm -hmm. whatnot because like I said, I take a pride in it. And uh, I wanna recognize the workers I've worked with, uh, mm -hmm. the firefighters and the personnel that help support what we do. Because mm -hmm. it's like a little, we're the, we were recognized as one of the largest non-military groups in an in a emergency situation. Fantastic. So, like I said, it's 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 a different career. Yes, it is. And um, appreciate it. And like I said, I do it off and on. I also do other stuff as well, but that's something I'm really proud of. Yeah. As well as, like I said, doing the uh, native stuff, uh, shows, presentations. Mm -hmm. But that actually comes hand in hand in hand because. You meet natives from other places and whatnot, and right. uh, you know you want to be respectful for them as well. Mm -hmm. Even though we're all natives, we're different tribes as well, and it's it's really nice and fun yeah. and enjoyable. I like it. I'm sure there's a lot of good conversations that go on there, and just kind of trying to learn about each other. And so, if is the is your group looking for additional workers? Are there other Native Americans that can apply, or are are there no openings right now? Well. Uh, they always have uh, listings, I know, through the Bureau there. You can go through USA.gov uh, USA mm -hmm. and uh, look up just uh, in different parts of the country that they'll have job openings, fire techs, to uh, people that hire the firefighters to, like I said, it's a whole system that is used, mm -hmm. whether it be us, Forest Service, or whoever's uh even cities, yeah, the smaller communities where they uh, mountainous areas, mm -hmm. they're always looking for uh, wildland as well. I mean, that's a career to be proud of for sure. It's serving your communities and keeping people safe, and it's definitely dangerous, but you're choosing to go out there and put your life on the line to help others. Oh yeah, cool. oh yeah, I got some, got some crazy stories. Actually, I was going to ask, do you have any crazy stories you'd like to share? <laughs> oh, God, there's just so many that just, it's just all, to me, it's all one big blur, because I'll get asked, do you remember this fire? No, no, I don't. It's like one big blur of stories. I might even want to forget that one. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, uh, the Native crews in particular, and the Natives in general, we have a natural sense of humor. That's well, luckily, Hollywood, Hollywood is bringing that out. Yeah. The show Reservation Dogs. Yes. The different movies that are coming out, you know, they're talking about how we are and how we, you know, live. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I bring up Res Dogs because, like I said, uh, so funny. I've had uh, my uh, um, other friends that are non-native, you guys are like that. You guys, I said, yeah, that's basically... Uh, uh, and you gotta have thick skin. Yeah, <laughs> because our uncles raised us that way. That's right. I mean, my uncles, they were tough on me. I bet. They were tough on, as any uncle should be. Mm -hmm. And uh, they raised us with tough skin, but we have a, just a sense of humor that's, like I said, coming out via that show and other movies that are coming out. Yeah. And uh, it's just how we were raised, which is that sense of humor of laughing around, <laughs> teasing, a lot of terrorizing. <laughs> well, we make, we make make the best of things as you right. as you should in your life. That's right. Not just uh, being all serious, although there is that respected time where you need to be. Yeah. But like I said, our bunch we well terrorize quite a bit. Well, even amongst the tribes, like so, Anadarko has this 
annual, although lately they haven't had the annual um, Indian Parade and Indian Expo. And sometimes you'll be in the parade and you'll hear natives of different tribes who know each other just banting back and forth or teasing about somebody's Comanche or something like that. And Oh yeah. yeah. We Choctaws get it too. <laughs> we're kind of the underdog when we're in the Plains area. <laughs> yeah, that's something that is just, it's always been because you know, at one time we used to war with each other. Right. We get along now. We tease each other bad, but that's just a part of, part of how it it's is. It's part of it. But like I said, it's just all in the history of how Oklahoma became, all the natives that came here. Because like I said, our bunch, we, what I read, they said we were originally from around Montana, Colorado. But my mm -hmm. grandma Ivy had also told me we were as far north as Calgary. Really? But, like I said, I'm just going by what my grandmother right. well, told me. Well, your grandmother probably knows. Yeah. Even better than the history books. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but all these tribes here, we were all basically consolidated. And mm -hmm. as times changed, you know, that's where the boarding schools came here from uh, Shilako, Sequoia, Fort Sill, uh, Riverside, and there was also St. Pat's there. Mm -hmm. St. Pat's had a boarding That's school right. there in Andarco as well. Kiowa Five went there. Mm -hmm. Mother, my mom went there too. Your mom went there. Went to St. Patrick's. Does she remember anything about it? She's told Did us some she? told us some stories of how it was and how they treated them and this and that out by the uh, Catholic Church. Ooh. And uh, like I said, we just had the uh, couple of months. Of, Though the Secretary of Interior was talking about that mm -hmm. out there at Riverside, same thing, and just hearing them folks tell their stories. But it's a part that's not really talk, talked about or documented. A lot of history is not, some of it is told, some of it is not. I went to where the arches was at in uh, St. Louis? Louis. Yeah. They have a museum underneath where you catch it. Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> they came out and they had a, a mock fort and the uh, tour guide was talking about that, talking about when they uh, moved the natives and put them in boarding schools, which is good. Mm -hmm. But some of the folks that were listening, they just stood up and walked away like, nah, no. either that didn't happen or they didn't believe it. And when I seen that, I was like, but you can't change people, you know. True. I'm not forcing or anything like that. If you don't sure. listen, that's on you. But this is just what I've seen growing up or what I was told growing up. Not uh, not making this up. Yeah. When they changed the rule in 87 when I graduated, Oklahoma history was a mandatory class. I kind of drove a uh, history teacher, Ms. Dawes, <laughs> um, because she would read out of her book and then, wait a minute, we know people that were there when this thing happened or that thing happened. And it was not right. not being uh, uh, vindictive, mean little kids. It's just, you know, we saw what we saw. Right. Growing up, or we were told. Mm -hmm. And uh, Oral history, obviously that's big in the Native American community. And those are things yep. you won't find in the history books because what is it that history is written by the Mother. victors or something yeah. like that? And I mean, even the Oklahoma land run, which is a very fascinating story. But if you think about it, what were they doing? They were taking the little piece of land that had been given to the Native Americans and 
and we were celebrating that. It's kind of strange. Again, I'm, I'm kind of one foot in both worlds sometimes, but, and I think it's good that we know all the parts of the land run. And we also know the part, the other side of the story, which is people were having to give up land that they were promised. Yeah, there's gonna be a movie uh, about the Osage. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yes. Yeah. That's gonna be, that's gonna raise some eyes. Um, I think so too. About what what happened up there, but like I said, I I try not to speak about other tribe stories because I'm not that tribe. Sure. But I uh, read about it, and I actually a couple of summers ago I went out with a, uh, a fellow firefighter who is Osage, and he he told it as is, and it's like wow. And he said, yeah, they're making a movie about it. I bet even the movie can't even give us a full picture of everything that happened. I mean, they're they're actually, from what I understand, they're doing a great job. They got with the tribe and made sure that they were being respectful and to their culture. But at the same time, it's probably 10 times worse than we'll ever know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's things that happen and at least recognizing it. Yeah. Again, just like with history, you don't want it to repeat itself. Exactly. exactly. I mean, just, talking about that and other things that you know Hollywood is bringing out a lot more I mean it's it's a good representation because the early earlier years that Hollywood did to the Native American oh tell um, me about it okay oh, we have to go there <laughs> got a good one I said uh, our former chairman I said you need to have a bereavement day he said what for I said you lost one of your uh, chiefs he said which one I said, Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock. <laughs> he goes, what? If you watch an episode of Rawhide, they asked, the cowboys came up and they said, we need to meet with your chief. Said, so, yeah. And they were, the Indians were Kiowa. Well, the, the teepee opened, Kiowa chief walks out. It's Leonard it's Nimoy. It's Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> that is an episode. Are you kidding me? Nope. I suppose, like, did Hollywood forget there were still Native Americans out there? And even then, does Hollywood still only think there's Native Americans in, like, South Dakota? You know what I'm saying? Like, they're everywhere, and they're especially in Oklahoma. I think people are starting to recognize that now. But well, like, during my shows, that's the crazier part. I'll, I'll, when I'm dressed up, all right, you guys, I always try to leave this five, ten minutes. Got any questions? Yeah. The questions I get are just like, <laughs> like what? Really? I even had, we went out to uh, Stanford one year. I had a college professor. He thought all Native Americans were gone. This is an educated man. That's the professor. This was, but like I said, this is years ago. Oh my gosh. But, so what did you say? Well, we're still here. You guys still live in teepees. My dad was like, no, we got a four or five bedroom house. We got electricity. We, we, we drive cars <laughs> and then uh that uh, the religious aspect about being native american mm -hmm. you know i'll bring that out i mean how do you worship all these gods and whatnot no we have one right Ducky. i mean we're just uh just like y'all but we were just born a different color with a different culture right and uh like i said you try to share that and uh let people know mm-hmm then all of a sudden, this is a backlash of it. All of a sudden, they want to be native, which is even. Oh my goodness! Oh, I'm. No offense to my Cherokee friends, but that's a main tribe. Oh, I'm. I had a Cherokee grandmother. It's like the only tribe they know. Blah 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 blah, 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 and I'm like, really? <laughs> 
But again, Cherokee princess. Yep. <laughs> but my son is Cherokee also, Christopher. Mm -hmm. And it's like, he just looks at me, Dad. And I'm like, well, they ask. <laughs> but that's the thing I try to do, educate and learn as well, because I do uh, done shows uh, for colleges and uh, just different folks where we do international shows and meet other cultures. You do your fancy dances at the colleges? Yes. What are some of those colleges you've been to? You mentioned Stanford. Uh, a lot here in Oklahoma, Oklahoma, uh, OU, Oklahoma State. Great. Cameron, like I just mentioned earlier, we did the OU, but we that one we sang. Yeah. I lived in California for years. And I didn't know that. I lived down oh in Oceanside. Matter of fact, I got a good story about that. Okay. I was working on Camp Pendleton, and uh, I was taking a, a shuttle bus to the mall, and I seen a Haskell jacket. What? And I walked up to him, and I looked at who was wearing the jacket. It was my classmate, Leander Kawadi. What? Just a small world. That is such a small world in California. Yeah, but he wow. was a Marine at that time. So we hooked up. So I started going, we started going to the Palmas up and down the coast. Yeah. Next year I'd have two Marines, three Marines that were from, most of the guys I went out with were like Shonday Silverhorn and uh, were from Oklahoma. That's crazy. I, I would, uh, be handing, uh, talking to the MC or whatever, and I'm like, you're friends with those guys, those Marines? I said, yeah. Well, can you ask them to be color guard? And them guys really liked that. That's cool. They would bring in the Eagle Staff. Oh, yeah. Flags and whatnot, because they were Marines, and they had that. That's so neat. Yeah, I worked there. I worked in a warehouse on uh, Camp Pendleton for a couple of years, and just had a blast up and down the coast. That's great. But just running into them guys was just like, so the best so part was during the holidays when they couldn't go home, mm -hmm. hey, come over to my apartment. Yeah. And uh, my girlfriend- Felt like you were home with, you know, people and, you knew. And my uh, girlfriend at the time, she would uh, make Indian tacos, stew. Yeah. And uh, we had a blast just just going different reses and whatnot, going different powwows and different things that we would get involved with. Yeah, right. And that was just out of pure, just one of the things that I've done in my life as far as running into those guys. So I have a little partiality for the uh, Marine Corps just because yes, you know, I got a bunch of memories there, but, yeah. and they were with native Marines and uh, just that, just that pride in itself. Yeah. Uh, lived in other places. Like I lived in Denver for several years, made a lot of friends, got to work with my best friend up at the uh, Indian center up there. And I also was a paraprofessional in the schools up there, teacher's okay. aide, and uh, worked with the uh, Title IX program up there. So tell okay. us about your fancy dancing. What what can you tell us about why you do it? What does it mean? All of that. Well, um, fancy dancing is, you know, something I, I enjoy. Part of it is history. I know I told you earlier, I, I ran across a photo of my uh, grandpa and I still can't find it, but I'm looking okay. of him at the World World's Fair and I can't remember what year. Mm. Fancy dancing came from Oklahoma. Mm. It's when uh, we were all consolidated instead of, uh, we were consolidated here in Oklahoma. Instead of uh, fighting like we were, we started uh, just going, to, going and singing and uh, all of a sudden, we started getting competitive. 
I can be fancier than you. Yeah, and that's basically where that word would come from. Mm -hmm. Originally, we were uh, called war dancers. Yeah. From the old uh, uh, Wild Bill shows and stuff like that, oh, when right. they would take them out. Mm -hmm. So that, and uh, if you look at some of the earlier photos, you see to now, to where it started, to where uh, it is today. Mm -hmm. It's modern dance, and it's, for me, it's something I enjoy, not only the history, but the way I grew up. I grew up watching some of the best dancers learn from the best. I bet. Just just by name alone, um, the guys I met, the guys I got to watch, just made that dance look so just... I know, right? And I, it's got to be exhausting, an exhausting dance, but you're dancing for your ancestors and you're dancing for well, again, competition and mm -hmm. all that. So you've got the fire in you probably when you're doing it. Are there, is it just the Plains Indians that do the fancy dances? No, it's it's really spread up coast to yeah. coast. I mean, I've seen dances all the way from Canada down to oh, wow. the East Coast to the West Coast. But yeah, like I said, I, uh, for myself, I try to keep it. Um, like for instance, one of my bustles, it's all eagle. But it's something that a uh, story my my dad told me. He said each eagle feather that you wear represents either a soldier or a warrior. So you treat that with respect. Treat it with respect. And um, just being around Ohama society, I can't say majority, but a lot of those guys that go out to Ohama, where we are fancy dancers. Mm -hmm. But in the society itself, it's a one bustle uh, because that's how the fancy dance originally started just as one muscle. Oh, really? Okay. It's, yep. Okay. So it's something I do and enjoy and just um, been doing, uh, like I said, since I was young. Yeah. And uh, like Terry, we had mentioned earlier, his dad and his brothers, they, they all fancy dance. So like I said, it's a generational thing. It's yeah. a family thing. And I want to keep that part of it, you know, still going. Did you always dance in the uh, Anadarko... Indian Exposition Parade? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, we probably saw you, <laughs> I just don't remember. That, that walk we would make during the summer on It's always in August. Pavement, it's so oh my gosh, <laughs> really I'm doing this? But like you said, now that I look back at the pictures that, especially when it rotates through Facebook, yeah. Um, you see a lot of, and you see the pictures and then you mm -hmm. start remembering things. Yeah, right. Uh, for one of my nephews, Stoney, he's really been showing, uh, Stoney Blair, he's been showing a lot of just old and good pictures. And uh, when I see him, all we do is just laugh and talk about right. when we did this and we, yeah. when we did that. Because we traveled with uh, uh, Tommy Blair, who had a uh, rhythm, uh, blues show as well. Okay. But we would also uh, perform as well, traveling all over from literally coast to coast. <laughs> and just so many things and just doing awesome. that you know you, hey do you remember when half the time I'm like no I don't remember when but I guess it <laughs> happened were you ever one of the mud men yeah yeah I've done oh. that okay I have so many questions all right so in Anadarko when we'd have the Indian Expo it would kick off always in August when it was the hottest time of the year I don't know why but real quick matter of fact uh I've been seeing flyers on Facebook is I it think, coming back I, I do believe it's coming back I mean, I'm gonna, if that. it is August 2023 I'm going to be here for that 
But so going down the parade that kicks off the fair would be the mud men. It was one of the favorite. We loved the ghost dancers, um, the fancy dancers, and we loved the mud men. So they would come in a, a wagon and then they had the cedar over it, right? The uh, trees, the willow. Okay. They would have willow trees over them. Yeah. And then they'd be like covered in mud from head to toe. And my sisters and I were always like, are they naked under there? <laughs> so we need to know. The Schaffner girls want to know. Lance, where? <laughs> Stacy, now's our time Stacey, to know. Stacy, no. <laughs> so what did you wear? Like shorts? Shorts. Oh, okay. Sweet well, not as exciting as we thought. <laughs> no, just kidding. We would have been embarrassed if we thought, if we really knew that you were <laughs> naked under there, but you weren't. So, no, no. okay. So tell us how it all starts. Where do you get the mud? How do you make that happen and is there a religious part of this or was it just good for the skin tell bit. us about it it's a little bit of everything mm -hmm. and is it a kiowa thing no it's just something that has been done yeah jesus when i since i was a little kid really i mean did you do it outside of the parade you Not, did it? Mo most time it was during the parade oh, okay yeah cooling off like i said good for the skin and yeah, things absolutely. like that how do you not get it in your eyes most time uh well, I really shouldn't say, but they uh, they 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 managed the way to not keep it in there. Oh, okay. Get get in their eyes. Oh. And uh, hmm. when you come out, you're cold actually. Really? Because of the mud, <laughs> even during the summer. Right. But for some reason, you would get a kick out of doing that. Yeah. I mean, it's just something you, you if you could take part in. Yeah. Most of the time, I didn't. I think I only did it maybe one, maybe two. I don't think I did it that many times because most of the time I was. Uh, Walking, well, I was dancing with the, our family, family drum or right. different drums or uh, uh, walking people on horses or it right. just depended on what, who or what needed to be done there. Yeah. I mean, they'd sit there and you'd all, you know, continue to pile it on your heads and your shoulders and just let it roll down. And it was like this really goopy, wet mud. <laughs> that red clay is a the mud they would mainly use. Yeah, interesting. I mean, it's just, like I said. Uh, Good exfoliants. Yeah. I think we should all bathe in mud. <laughs> yeah. um, I have a, a sweet picture of one time I was at the parade and it was, of course, super hot out there and this little boy in regalia on a horse with his mom and he must have been like four years old or something and I had a bottle of water and I was drinking it and he was so hot, his little cheeks were so red and he pointed at me and he goes, water? water and I was like I wish I could give him my water but I probably shouldn't do that but sweet picture oh yeah yeah <laughs> I mean those are the memories that, you know that you know we all grew up around Absolutely. and saw and we, we try to share I mean because just for instance you know there are places where I've been that matter of fact when I was working in, around Denver around the center we would meet natives that have never been around their culture Really? And we would, uh, hey, this is what we do. This is what mm -hmm. may not be. Maybe you should look into what your tribe does. Were they interested in it or were they like, nah, we just don't care? No, there was youth that would come to the uh, Indian Center mm. there in Denver. And uh, they'd come during the evenings, of course, after school. And uh, my big brother, he uh, implemented several programs. Not just that, the Native American part. We also had a... Uh, boxing program, uh, fitness program, just different things, just to be, uh, get the kids uh, interested, not just yeah. the native, but just being a part of something. Right. 
And it is so much a community thing, I would think. I mean, even with your drumming, your singing, I mean, I think of the Ware family and all of you just being together all the time. Is that is that really how it is? I mean, I've always just pictured it that way because I always used to see you all together all the time. If you see our, our uh, families, the Ware, Wares, different Wares, you know, they're really family oriented. Mm-hmm. Different, right. not just Native American stuff. I mean, uh, right now there's some that were just finishing up uh, basketball. Different, mm -hmm. different families doing that, going out uh, now softball and baseball with the kids. Just yeah. basically supporting, uh, supporting each other. Supporting each other. Did you always have to worry about who you dated? Because it might be like oh, yeah. a cousin, second cousin, third. Cousin. <laughs> yeah, I actually did, but oh, it was just. It was interesting growing up because, matter of fact, uh, we we were talking about that. I was talking to one of some of my uncles, and he, one of my uncles in particular, said, "Yeah, his mom, oh, you need to, you know, who are you seeing? And mom, That's your cousin. That kind of deal. You need to break up with her. That's your cousin. My mom and my dad. My mom was a full-time homemaker with 12, uh, eleven kids." Dad was a uh, plumber. Oh yeah, he did it for in, in Anadarko. Okay, and um, he may have come to our house at some point. Oh, I know. You never know. Call you kids at Joe's house. Yeah, <laughs> we only have one bathroom, three girls. <laughs> yeah, so he he did that, but he was also in the military. And your uh, dad was? Yeah, oh, he was in the army. That's awesome. And um, like I said, just what he did, he was. Uh, very respected man in the community. Hmm. Everybody, everybody knew him. What was she, what's your dad's name? Lehman. Lehman. Yeah. Okay. Him and mom, like I said, mom. The way I could describe her, she had a particular laugh, oh. and every time she met somebody, she always just just made uh, the best of knowing them. And uh, she was a very Sweet. very spiritual woman, and uh, just uh, like I said, I grew up with some really good folks and. All you my did. siblings and my uncles and my aunts, grandmas, that you know, and I, uh, like I said, I I can talk about that because I'm 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 one to listen, right, and learn about you know my family and whatnot. You know, I'd like to take a moment to honor your mother. I know that she just recently passed away, very recently, like two weeks ago, perhaps. In fact, we had to postpone our conversation because of what your family was going through at the time. So. Would you like to tell us what she was like? You told us that she was very welcoming to people that she just met. What else? Yeah, before that, I want to just recognize something that um, I want to tell everybody out there, especially with uh, older folks, and you're taking care of them. You know, it's something that uh, needs to be, not only needs to be done, it should be done. Mm -hmm. My mom was very uh, spiritual, very loving. She tried to keep track of all of her kids, grandkids, great-grandkids. Oh my goodness, there must have been so many. <laughs> and uh, I'll give you a good example of how spiritual I was. Um, every time I went to our uh, sweat lodge and stuff like that, she would give me a list of people to pray for. Mm -hmm. And just that's how big of a heart that she had. Right. She had effect on a lot of folks. And um, um, I'm just uh, grateful I had... Uh, her and dad, the parents I had, and uh, the people that know me know how close I am with my folks. Yeah. And um, like I said, just a lot of respect and love that that is there. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
it, it was shown and um, like I said there was just uh, just a pouring out of uh, support got a lot of messages emails and whatnot and uh, help as well and when uh, when it when that time was like I said we uh, not just family support friend support and whatnot but she had an effect on uh, the things the stories and the things she would tell and uh, I could just hear all my nieces and nephews fighting over who's grandma's favorite. And, oh. <laughs> but that's how, that's how close she was with them. Right. So right. I talked to different. She probably made them all feel like they were her favorite. Oh, yeah. But like I said, they, uh, she just was such an effect on what just raising a big family as she did. Yeah. And uh, love and the guidance that she gave all of us. And uh, like I said, just my appreciation for. Uh, my uh, my sisters as well, um, Punky, Tuffy, Denise, even Bobo. I know what they did for my mother, mm -hmm. and I uh, just want to acknowledge that and appreciate that. Because, like I said, you know, I, I I do have when I see somebody, especially on Facebook, complaining about you know their parents or their elders. You know what? You need to say thank you. The old guys, mm -hmm. when I go sweat, they used to always tell me, you know. When I had both the parents, I was a rich man. Mm -hmm. I was a millionaire. And then, uh, I'm not that, but you know what? I'm rich in memories of both of them. Right. My, my mom in particular. And, uh, but I know she's happy. Absolutely. She's with dad and, you know, that's all I can say about that. And uh, like I said, she's just, uh, she's happy and uh, I'll say it, better off than we are. True, true. Well, so like I said, it's just been a, uh, but I know one thing uh, in doing this, um, it's a little bit of moving on. Mm -hmm. But when I was talking to my, one of my sisters just the other day, um, still lost. Yeah. A little uh, out of sync and whatnot. But I also know uh, myself, I know I need to move on. Not in a disrespectful way, because I'll never forget them. No, of course not. I'm sure it means a lot to your mom and dad, too, watching you all, knowing that you're all so close and you have each other. And that's the legacy that they set up for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, my dad was, uh, he was very uh, professional in the way he did things. Mm -hmm. Even raising us, he was very organized. He had everything. He's a military man. Set up, and yeah, and that's a... That's a whole nother deal right there. <laughs> but he, like I said, he was very respected in what he did in his life mm -hmm. and mom as well. But he was also into archery. I forgot to add that heavily. Mm. Into shooting, Your dad was? Yeah, uh, oh, cool. Shooting a compound bow and just, yeah. he was known for that as well. Really? <laughs> I considered one of the best because he was just, he, that was his, it wasn't a hobby for him. Yeah. It was just a passion. Right. Because he would come home and be all tired and stuff, but he would still pull out that bow and Right. And she he was he was so hardcore at shooting archery. A couple of times he actually shot in the house when it was just too bad. Oh. He'd just tell us stay in those rooms and we'd shut our door because we had that long hallway. So he practiced in the house. <laughs> I remember a couple of times he'd come home from Colorado and I didn't want to wake him up. We had a trampoline outside. So I'd go lay on it. Next thing I know, I'd hear right above me. Oh, 
don't sit up, son. I count. He'd choose and he'd easily shoot five or six arrows. <laughs> One, two, Dad, I'm here. Oh. But he was known for that. There's a video circulating on Facebook of the expo, because he used to have an archer shoot during the expo. Oh. Cool. And it, it was caught on, he's been on several te television programs, but I know there's a couple of videos floating around on mm -hmm. Facebook showing uh, his club group of men that he would shoot with <clears throat> out at the house or out at the, uh, the expo uh, behind the grandstands. Wow. And like I said, mom would come, you know, bring, bring whatever and just support him. Yeah. The big thing he always did though, there's one trip he really loved was going to Las Vegas. Really? <laughs> he loved a little gambling? No, it was a big tournament, big archery Oh, tournament. he did the tournaments there. He, he would do tournaments there. He must have been really good. I, I can say one of the best. I mean, he even practiced inside the house. Yeah. yeah. And over his son's head. And over, over my head and just the hunting stories of where he would go, different places. Mm. And um, it was just a, a delight to, you know, yeah. watch your parents do something that they loved. Going to powwows and dancing with him. Mm, that had to been special, just, right? Just watching him not only compete, but we used to go back to uh, Eastern Oklahoma with a tail dance. He really liked doing that. Sometimes I'd go Paula, I wouldn't dance because all they were tail dancing because he was a straight dancer. He would take part. So whenever I'd go up to like Pawnee Osage Nation, uh, a lot of the folks recognize him and still remember Really? Him because he would take part. Plus, you know, like I said, he was a respected military mm -hmm. man. And just how he was, he enjoyed, like I said, going dancing and performing and doing stuff like that. And then mom was there, always with him, supporting Archie powwow. She would even help him uh, get dressed, mm -hmm. which is, you know, she what, sounds amazing. Yeah, she uh, she was a handful. She kept us just really just. Uh, I I can't even describe mom in just one word. Right. She was just a delight and an inspiration. And uh, like I said, I just, for uh, what I had heard, just the messages and uh, the people that were able to make it, even the people that didn't make it were just like sound and sincere, like really, mm -hmm. she's going to be missed. And I said, yeah, I bet it was a big service. Yeah, they, uh, it was a good, uh, good, uh, everything was done that could be in, uh, She's, uh, like I said, between the both of them, they're, they're happy now. Absolutely. They're together. Mm -hmm. I bet you miss them. But again, I know they're so proud of the big family they raised and how close you all are. So, well, thank you for sharing that with us. Sure. I know that can't be easy and you're very strong. I'd, I'd be a blubbering fool during the whole thing. So you've been very strong. So um, why don't you tell our listeners a bit about the Kiowa traditions and culture? What can you tell us that they may not know? Kiowa. Well, the Kiowas like um, are recognized from what I'd read from being around Colorado, Montana, that that kind of that area. Mm -hmm. Even I was told even a story, uh, Devil's Tower in Wyoming. There's a marquee there uh, dedicated to the Kiowa. That's something my uncle, uh, huh. one of my uncles, told me. Right. Eventually, we ended up in uh, around uh, Medicine Lodge and. St. Tide, Kansas, and that area, which we eventually graduated up around Carnegie, 
from Carnegie to Anagarco, but there are different, um, I can't even call them clans, but they're just, just sections of Oklahoma from like Verdon all the way out toward uh, past Weatherford. Okay. Where yeah. just different cowboys lived. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where we ended up out here. And as the other tribes were uh, being put here in Oklahoma, you know, we were one of the, we were here as well. And uh, us Comanches, uh, Kiowas, Comanches, Apaches, then the Wichita's, Caddo's, and Delaware's as well. And uh, we have been here and just, uh, just trying to make it like everybody else. Yeah. We have our, just certain particular dances uh, throughout the years, uh, like our gourd dance, which is a Comanche Kiowa dance. We have uh, uh, our war society dance, uh, Black Leggings. Black Leggings. Call it Tom I'm in Indian City now, right? Yes, they call it Tonkonga, mm -hmm. which is Black Leggings, which is a whole nother, other, um, um, then our, our society, Ohoma. Again, we have our uh, pipe ceremony and we also have our sheathering mm -hmm. that we do. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, we'd leave it just as an open invite, you know, praying for everybody. Yeah. Cedaring and, uh, you know, because cedaring is something that's Native Americans used. The smoke, we say, uh, takes our prayers and our thoughts and takes them straight to heaven. Hmm. That's another reason why Natives are particular about the eagles. Eagles are the highest flying of all the birds. Hmm. And we believe they... Uh, take our messages to uh, Delphi. And uh, like I said, that's how we were raised. Uh, and other things as well, the language itself, the songs, and what they're for. Just like any other tribe, you know, we have a uh, song or a, uh, for every occasion of life, yeah. from birth, um, kids' songs, family songs, even, uh, songs for uh, when uh, somebody's done with their journey. Mm -hmm. But like I said, it's just done on that occasion. It's not done, you know, every day. Right. You know, out of respect that uh, we were all taught how we were raised, mm -hmm. the, the, the Kawa songs in themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, and lastly, too, I want to also apologize if I made any mistakes about it because I don't want to disrespect the elders and the ones that have taught me. I'm just doing by what I was told, sure. how I was taught, Absolutely. and I don't want to, like I said, offend anybody, especially in our cult, our uh, our ways and how we were raised, because not all tribes are the same. We have a, a, just different ways of doing things, yeah. and like I said, I just don't want to disrespect anybody as well, It's, but that's how we were raised. But you were talking about, um, I'll tell one quick story too. The only because the uh, where our, our, our tribal headquarters is, mm -hmm. and it has to do with res dogs. Every time we bring in different guys on engines out of state, New Mexico, Arizona, Montana, such a, and most of them watch that series, res dogs. <laughs> First question they always ask: Where's Carnegie at? <laughs> it's over here. It's over here. <laughs> Way over here. <laughs> That's where they are, our trouble. They always ask you, huh? They always ask me. That's so funny. Where is it at? Yeah. And then they said, what about dear woman? <sighs> uh, I said, that's a <laughs> story. I'm, 
I just, yeah, but in <coughs> Hog Creek, I know that we talked about it a lot in Hog Creek. Mm -hmm. So, but it's a Ponca story. I never knew that was a Ponca story. Okay. Yeah. But just like I said, just sharing stuff like that that I know. And then I actually will take them over there. And uh, uh, that's one thing I like to do is when we're bringing guys from out of state who uh, work, we'll, we'll uh, drive all over patrolling and I'll tell them about what I know. Yeah. And uh, just different places and whatnot. This is our. Uh, this is where we are are now. We're not from here, mm -hmm. but like I said, that goes back to the history part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and when I started doing the heritage work, which I do also, I work alongside uh, archaeologists doing uh, preservation work. That's that's going to be interesting. But I've I've worked from everywhere up to Minnesota, all the way down to Florida, and honestly, I thought I knew history. Not even some of the things we have discovered, found. Uh, Can you tell us? Well, it's a top secret. No, um, we found places where certain things didn't exist. Mm. Uh, we went to, I think it was Alabama, and we found this one uh, artifact and it had painting on it. And <clears throat> the previous people that recorded the history there were like, that's not supposed to be here, but those kind of things. So maybe we change the history books. <laughs> well, one in particular, we were in Lake City, Florida, and uh, the archaeologist I was working with, he goes, check this out, and it was an arrowhead, pretty good size. He said, do you recognize that material? That come from uh, Mount Scott area. Oh. How did that get from Mount Scott? all the way down to Lake City, which is about an hour uh, east of uh, Tallahassee. Yeah. So, That's so interesting. And I actually like that, the, <clears throat> the job in itself, because like I said, we're recording history and mm -hmm. preserving it. Yeah. I was a little, I was a little leery <clears throat> about doing it, but like I said, you know, we got to preserve history in the right way. Mm -hmm. Not just, oh, we found this. No, no, there's right. a, is accustomed to it as far as, you know, we, we do it in a respectful way. Yeah. I mean, we started out the heritage stuff. Um, we were actually on a fire and we had a guy get on. He said, anybody interested in doing heritage work? Well, at that time, like I told you, we were doing fires maybe eight, nine months out of the year. So we had three months downtime. Mm -hmm. Sure. Oh. <laughs> sure. So we, well. we, we took classes. And, uh, oh, I'm so jealous. But then they, they, they were like flipped around like, because the archaeologists, and no disrespect to archaeologists, you know, they would go to college to learn what what they were taught to get the degrees. Right. And, and you got to respect that. But I would tell them the stuff you're finding, my people used. Right. Well, thank you so much for helping me to preserve about your culture and heritage and about your family, the Wares family. I'm a big fan and really loved having you here today and sharing about your mom and dad too, as I know you miss them and they've created such a great legacy within the Wares family. So before we go though, Lance, do you have any words of wisdom to share with our listeners? Well, just appreciate what you have. Um, what I had said earlier, one of the things that was said in our sweat lodge, you know, one of these times you're going to walk out of that sweat lodge and 
you may not walk back in. That's how precious life is. Appreciate it. Appreciate the things you have, the family and the friends that you have in this world. And uh, learn to say thank you. Sure. That's a big one. That's something this world is getting away, away from. You just appreciate, you know, life is there. And it's, it's, a, it's a gift. Something as simple as this morning, when I go run every morning, when I can, you see a sunrise. Mm-hmm. Not only is that a gift, that's a blessing, including a sunset. So just uh, take care of each other and yourself. Look after those ones, you know, that you can and uh, love each other, you know. Mm-hmm. I love it. Thank you so much. All right. Appreciate it. All right. <laughs> take care. I will. Thanks for listening to Native Chalk Talk. Be sure to join our community on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Simply search for Native Chalk Talk. That's Native, C-H-O-C-T-A-L-K. And check us out at nativechalktalk.com. Stay tuned for the next episode. You're going to love it. Yakoki. Thank you, my friends.